This is Talking Beats, the podcast where dynamic and compelling people share their lives, their work, and of course, their favorite music. Welcome. I'm Daniel Lelchuk. On today's program, we're speaking with legendary country music singer and guitarist Wynonna Judd, the singer who initially rose to fame alongside her mother Naomi as part of the duo The Judds, is one of the most decorated and best-selling musical artists in America. For 40 years, she has been bringing the sorrows, the simple pleasures, and ultimately the rich tones of Kentucky and Appalachia to an audience of millions. Wynonna Judd. I feel like this interview is honestly divine timing, like I am uh, clinically insane when I tell you this. <laughs> Most people are going to say, wow, I am in the struggle for my life, and it is so devastatingly beautiful. Tell me about it. I haven't uh, been in a sort of healing process with my life coach in about eight years. I went on a journey eight years ago where I basically took a vacation from, uh, I've been working really hard, Daniel, the last 20 years to find myself in a way that's not about what I do. And so I've been on this self, uh, sort of self-worth journey unto, gosh, who am I when I don't do that thing I do? You know, who am I? I've been famous since I was 17 years old. And who am I in terms of going deeper? I know that I'm a child of God. I know that I'm a chick singer. I know that I'm a giver. I know that I'm incredibly interested in helping to heal the brokenhearted. And, you know, whether it's at a county fair or the White House or, you know, the uh, places I go, you know, I go from sort of the brothel to um, I live in the Bible Belt. You know, I'm I'm just I'm in this walking paradox place, Daniel, where I feel like um, I'm I heard something this morning. I I have a thing I do every morning, and I challenge any other creative brain to do this. I wake up, and I blink, and I breathe, and I know I'm alive, so I literally write for 10 minutes without stopping. And what I'm noticing is I feel young and insane, and then I listen to a song. I, I have this thing where I wake up, and I also listen to music that I don't normally listen to. This is an incredibly rich time of studying and I just listened to, you know, Diana Washington. I haven't done this since I was a teenager, where I just live completely immersed in creativity. This is a, a rich time for me, personally. It's devastating what's happening to a lot of people, and I find this to be a time that we will look back on and go, oh my, how did I make it through? And it's, a, it's an amazing time to write, because I'm so brokenhearted. And why is this happening? You know, I've never really been a why is this happening person. I'm so busy doing, and if I have to struggle through the deep waters, I, I do so. You know, and you listen to my music, and you'll hear me sing about things that are just, wow, this is what she said before she left this earth. You know, it's just really, the songs are intense, and they, are, they, they conjure up a lot of emotion from the listener. And so right now, I, I feel like I'm, in some kind of movie. I really do. I wake up and I, it's surreal. And so I live in that creative idealism a lot. So for me, spiritually and, and emotionally, I'm singing like I've never sung before. What the heck? Can you tell me about how 
the music you've been listening to recently, things that you hadn't listened to in a long time or maybe never have listened to, how is that all coming together and making an imprint on what you're writing and what you're singing? Oh, my gosh. Okay, here it comes. Uh, I always do this in interviews, and I know it's uncomfortable for people to sort of witness this. It's like, you know, those viral videos that we watch of people losing it um, in the airport, or right now people are just, you know, they're, they're kind of dropping their basket, and things are scattering, and people are just devastated and angry, and I, I feel it. I feel it. I'm, my pulse is literally my beating heart. Um, I told my uh, one of my brilliant sort of scientific brain people the other day, I said, I literally feel like I'm dying at times. I feel so overwhelmed and I can't breathe. And then the next moment I feel like I'm being reborn. I said, this is the strangest time. And they said something. I I wanted to throat punch them at first because I thought that was such a knee-jerk reaction. Like, (laughs) I'm going to punch you. I'm going to physically attack you. (laughs) Just like... Um, and I took a step back because I do that oftentimes because I get so overwhelmed. And he said, birth is messy. And I just started crying. And I said, this is so painful. I don't want to be shaken awake like I am. And yet it's the most incredible time for creativity. It's That's what we do. We sing. We, we sort of like are the, the tuning fork for the nation. This is what we do. I I read everything from the the word of God that says we are on the front lines. In the battle, there's always the musician in front, you know, preparing the hearts for peacetime and war. You know, we're standing there with the, with the soldiers, literally. I mean, it's, this is, this is historical and we're standing there singing as they, we think about it. Music is everywhere. It's at the funeral. It's, you know, in the wedding, it's just, so crazy what's happening and i go okay man this is the strangest most wonderful time for me because i feel so much and i'm actually grateful that i'm on the farm because i am in nature and that is refreshment for the soul right so i'm a prepper so i have things stored and people used to laugh at me and say oh my god you're like your grandmother i said yeah i kind of am i'm from kentucky what you have a problem with me being a pioneer woman step back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's good now what why now Najad I, I want to know when you look at what's happening now and you look at what you're producing what do you think is having a greater effect on what is coming out of your mouth what's coming out of your pen <laughs> I don't want, some of it you don't want to hear and some of it you can't wait to hear I don't know <laughs> I can tell you, I can only tell you a story about me. I, I really wish I could give you some headline or some wonderful banner to wave. I really do. I used to do interviews and think, oh my gosh, I'm Miss America. I have something grand to say that will change the environment. And yeah, I was trained, I was trained to go out there and to be, you know, show up and slay. That's sort of my, my mantra for the last 30 plus years. I've been out there going, hey, America. And then I sing the song I, you know, I'm hired to sing. I, I, that's how I've lived for a long time. Where I'm at right now is so small and so microscopically every day there's something like I'm calling you. This is the first interview I've done. And I don't even know that it's an interview. Really. I feel like I'm calling and just talking to a friend. I don't feel like this is a professional. You need to do this interview to sell a record or, 
you know what I mean? They're not doing something in Rolling Stone where you have to sound really profoundly talented. I just feel like this is a conversation, and that's because of what's happening. So let me be very clear. I don't have anything to say to anyone else because I'm fighting for my very existence. And what I mean by that, I've been a servant of song since I can remember. I think this time is for me to decide that I want to stay, that I have a purpose. Uh, my, my songs right now are based on this one thing. And if I had to say one thing, it would be I'm in a time, in a season of learning how to go from pain to purpose. I wake up and I'm brokenhearted. As a mother, it's it's the toughest thing a woman goes through. Empty nest syndrome, whatever you want to call it. It's hell. It is death. It is letting go. It feels like you're having to undo everything you've been trying to do for the last 25 years. What, you want me to let go of this child? What do you mean he's getting married? Are you kidding me? Why is this supposed to be a celebration? They should have a party for the mother. They really should, where she gets to lay on the floor and just cry and kick and scream. It's it's the worst. The gate that I live behind that you drive into the farm, the the notes on the gate, I took, uh, let's see, Al Green's gate. He has the, the notes to How Great Thou Art. And I saw his gate and I went, huh. So I went and put the notes to Amazing Grace on my gate. My daughter's name is Grace. And she and I uh, have walked through an incredibly tough journey last six years. And it's the part of life where you go, wow, this is crazy. And I'm going to trust you, God, because I really don't know what else to do. The notes are amazing, grace. The notes aren't be smart, be beautiful, be rich, be famous. The notes are amazing, grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I, I, how is my creativity? I'm, I'm back to the beginning of, 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 of time almost. I'm back to when I was nine years old. And I started to sing because I was so brokenhearted that I, I didn't know whether I wanted to be here or not. And um, so music has always been there for me, Daniel. I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of resources that I sometimes trust. I have a lot of options. Financially, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm privileged to get to travel and do what I do. Emotionally, I'm, I'm as tender as, you know, a newborn. Sometimes I think, God bless. I just had two kitten uh, batches born in the last... Uh, 60 days and I, I look at these tender little vessels and I go wow that's how I feel and then I'm 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 literally literally outside and walking through the wilderness like I'm on a mission <laughs> talk about those early days when you first fell in love with music talk about the early music you heard and those first memories where, where you realized wow music is maybe something more than a background oh that's really interesting I've been studying like I said, since I, I came off the bus on March the 14th and all my belongings are still sitting in a pile in my closet, I refuse to unpack. I've been packed since I can remember. And when we when I was nine, we lived, and the reason I tell that is because I've done a lot of packing and unpacking, right? And so I've had a lot of metaphors lately <clears throat> that remind me, yeah, this is my life. <clears throat> so I went back to age nine because, and stay with me on this, some people may click off because they, until you've lived it sort of thing, you know, until you've lived in Appalachia in the wilderness and you have no neighbors, no telephone, no TV, I mean, no TV and no telephone and no um, options outside of the, the home that you live in. We lived in a very, very interestingly, I think Kentucky, yeah, where I come from, where we lived, uh, where my biological father died, it's so, so backwoods that 
there are parts of Kentucky that still today are like a third world country. I go into those places. Um, I do a thing called the Santa Train, and we go, uh, you can look it up, and we give uh, basically, you know, toothbrush and a teddy bear to children whose mother has no health care and they live in a shack, and I'm not exaggerating. So just know that where I lived was in this kind of environment. We had animals, we had trees, and we had space and time. We had no neighbors. We had no go into town, you know, every day. No, ma'am. We never went to a restaurant. We never uh, had much other than what we needed, which was enough, barely enough. We were co-op kids. We wore hiking boots and uh, overalls, and that's not a joke. And we lived in this wilderness that my mother decided that was where we wanted to be because she was going to be a midwife. Okay, so think about that for a minute. It's like, what? (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Why are we here? And I was so lonely. I didn't have any friends. I had animals. And my farm today, we have over 40 because I rescue. That's where my life began. Musically, I remember a piano, believe it or not, sitting in the living room of this home that we lived in. We met. If you read the book, it tells you a story of this magical, like Disney-type story where we met a woman, we had nothing, and she let us have this home for $100 a month. It's one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Hand-hooked rugs, uh, china in the kitchen and we barely had enough to eat it's very strange right so there there's my movie set and I remember sitting down and plunking away and the next thing I knew I was completely consumed with the piano and I was unbelievably focused on I have to sing or I won't survive I have to sing I remember Margaret Allen giving me lessons she lived above us and she was a musical genius And Berea College, the music department, is in her name because she taught piano. It's like one of those beautiful 40s movies that you see of this incredible woman coming in and playing like nobody's, you know, ever played. I I had this woman as a teacher. I I still think about it today because piano was actually my first instrument, and I'm I'm getting back to it with this time that I have now. So it's an interesting time of going back to the well. Did anyone play music while you were growing up? Did you ever hear the piano being played? Or you sat down and you said, wow, this sounds pretty good. Maybe I can learn how to play a song or accompany myself. <laughs> I remember music being very much a part of my upbringing. My sister's biological father, he was around in and out of my life, and he would play records, everything from Rolling Stones to, gosh, Warren Zevon. And from there, I went straight to Linda Ronstadt, to Emmylou Harris, Bonnie Raitt, and Aretha. And these women were major stylists in my life. Like I literally, if I were to make it, weave a tapestry, these women would be, you know, my, my blanket. They would literally be my, what I keep around me as, you know, as a, as a cloak. I feel like I was bathed in uh, bluegrass also. That's another piece. So I just immersed myself in the music. I wasn't raised on, you know, music other than, you know, the church and the every now and then hearing the radio. I don't remember, if anything, I remember my papal Judd listening to um, AM radio, which is the, one of the greatest sounds on earth, I think. No, I know. I, when I hear it, I go somewhere very dark and, and deep, and it's just, oh my God, that sound. You know what I mean? When you hear a certain sound, you go back to when you were eight years old kind of thing. Yeah. I remember him listening to baseball. I remember him listening to the news. So I wasn't really raised around music like that until I got older. So when I was nine, I was 
I was ripe. I was ready. You heard music, and then at some point your mom started to sing, and then you started to hear it on a regular basis, and then take us to when you moved to Nashville, and, and music started taking over everything about your life. Yes. I started singing first, and I remember singing, and then mom came uh, later with her harmony, and so it obviously attached. It was, it was like the chicken or the egg. It's like if it depends on, I guess, who you ask which came first. I think my voice came first, and then we ended up harmonizing in the living room, learning a song for my mother's daddy for Father's Day kind of thing. You know, we, we learned a song together to sing to him. I think that's one of my first memories. You go to Nashville because what? If you look at the bio, biography, we moved around a lot, and I, I, don't, I still wonder why we ended up here in Nashville. I still think about it. I mean, music obviously was the main thing, and yet she moved here and started becoming, um, she was a nurse at that point, so she got a job as a nurse, and I remember living in the middle of nowhere, and just me, that's all I had. My guitar was my, it was an appendage. I don't remember ever not having my guitar for, that's where the song Girls with Guitar comes, because I just was never away from it. Bottom line, I walked around with a with a transistor radio, listening to, to the music, that's all, I mean, I remember closing my eyes, literally just listening to the music, and it soothed me. At 18, I attempted suicide, and I was I was not really interested in staying, I just wasn't, I was tired and, and ready to go, and obviously that didn't um, happen, and so it wasn't long after that that I got a record deal, so that's when I say from pain to purpose, I had uh, a purpose, I was meant to be a singer and musician, that's it, I don't know about the fame and fortune part, that happens like winning a lottery, so that's kind of one of those weird deals where people want to attach that to my bio, but that's not really who I am. That that happened to me. I, I wanted to sing more than I wanted to live in the pain I was in. So music was my purpose and it, it became my, my lifelong, you know, destiny. Sure, I believe that with all my heart. Can you zoom out for a minute and take the broadest picture possible? Describe what country music is to you, Winona Judd. What what is this whole genre, this whole style and sound? Well, my dear, I'll give you a headline and then I'll back up. The <laughs> I love the I love the way you just gave me a visual of, of pulling back like you do like the drone gives us the above you know looking down view. I talk to Loretta Lynn every other day. It feels like she's my compass, my musical compass right now. She tells stories and she reminds me of what was going on when I was 18 years old and I showed up at CMA. I'll tell you what country music is to me, and this is back in 1985 somewhere in there. It's a bunch of people showing up with the most talent with the most talented people to me the ones that I look at and go oh my gosh there's Merle Haggard oh my gosh there's Loretta I mean I just remember a bunch of uh, country folk showing up to a family reunion that's that's my memory my memory is walking in the door and looking over and literally seeing you know Sarah Cannon who's also Minnie Pearl publicly that's her name I look over and now I see oh my gosh you know there's uh, Emmy Lou Harris whoa there's Willie uh, Johnny Cash was a mentor he literally is one of my memories of standing there and listening to this man tell me something that I still today go yeah that's my that's my story too so look I don't know about the rest I just know that people are the most unique Loretta Lynn is the most one of the most unique people I've ever had the pleasure of loving. And I remember these characters. I remember standing there talking to, I, and I've known him since I was 15 years old. Ricky Skaggs is a relative. You know, it just feels like he's family. 
So these are not people of fame and, oh my God, look them up on Wikipedia. These are my family members. You know, I don't, I don't know that I have any other memory other than showing up. Yeah, they gave out awards. That was a party. The rest of it is standing there talking to, you know, the greatest heroes and sheroes of music. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I wonder, if you look back when you were 9 years old, 15, 20, 25, and right now in 2020, how has the sound of country music changed? Is, is the actual sound different? Do people sing differently? Do they play differently? Do they write different lyrics? What's Is there some sort of a trajectory? Tell me about that. They do. I, I, I'll tell you what this reminds me of, and I can tell it hopefully. When I talk to people, just know um, that I talk to people in very interesting different ways than people would assume when i'm on stage i will talk about something and i can see people you know nodding like they get it because i'm talking to them in layman terms it's almost like if you went to a doctor a specialist and he talked to you in terms that are you know in his book of knowledge it wouldn't make sense to you you'd go wow i don't even know what that is he'd have to talk to you in layman terms so that's what i do i talk to people in ways that they can understand even though they aren't in the music business. I, I talk very metaphorically. And I can tell that people get it because they understand the human condition. They, they just understand the way life works. So here's how it works for me when people ask me that question. I live in a very different world of, of sound. I, I wake up and I will, by the end of that day, I will have watched a documentary on Miles Davis. And I don't really know a lot about Miles Davis until I watch this. Uh, thank God for Netflix and things that I can... I don't watch television, you know, the 245 channel, uh, 5 News. I just don't. I watch things that I'm purposely watching. I watched the Miles Davis story, and here's what I learned. When you watch things, when you step into someone else's life, you learn that basically we are all the same. When it comes to we're born, we learn to talk, you know, we pick up whether it's a basketball or uh, a weapon or a musical instrument. We are all searching for some kind of reason to, you know, walk through this life. So I live very differently than you would probably think. I don't spend a lot of time on studying how country music has changed. I will meet someone new to the scene, okay? I have a picture, for instance. I'll give you an example of Casey Musgraves before she had the initial success. And now that she's a name that people know and recognize. I know Casey when she was very young. I knew uh, Leanne Rimes when she was a teenager. I knew Faith Hill before she married Tim. I know these people as people, so I don't really see them as, oh my gosh, they are an award winner. So that's kind of weird for me. I'm very personally immersed in stories. Allison Krauss comes over to my house and we sit and talk about something completely off the record. I don't know what the condition of country music is. I know that if I watch a TV show the other night called Songland and I see Florida Georgia Line, I don't know these characters. I've never met them. I've never worked with them. And I see two young men who are songwriters who have an incredible, you know, success story. And I know nothing else really until I get down into their personal story. So I'm interested in people and why they are the way they are more so than I am statistic driven. So I just can't answer questions. Sometimes people look at me like, what are you talking about? And it's because I don't know. I just don't know the business. Does that make sense? I don't really know the business. Unless I look someone up and study what they've done, I, I don't know. I just know them as people. So it's very odd. I think it's because I was in it so young that it's almost like they're classmates. 
Well, it makes perfect sense, and I can't give you that weird look anyway, because we're just talking on the phone now. (laughs) So I'm wondering, what artists do you really love from the past who are helping you right now in this day and age? doesn't have to be country, any genre, any type of musician, but who's who from the past is really inspiring you when you wake up in the morning, you go to write for your 10 minutes, and then you have who in your head? Wow, that is quite a question, my dear. I look on my phone, and I, I literally, and you're going to think I'm crazy, because most people do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look on my phone. I'm not even going to give you some poetic answer, and I'm going to tell you who's on my phone. A songwriter named Ryan Bingham. Some people would know him on the show Yellowstone. He's one of the characters that ends up on the ranch. And then I look up and I see, oh, there's Cindy Lauper. And then I look up there and there's a Navy SEAL named Sean Ryan that I'm talking to about some things. And then I look up and I see, wow, there's uh, there's Brandy Carlisle. She sent me a video of her singing Rockin' with the Rhythm of the Rain with her family on her porch. What the heck? I mean, Brandy Carlisle is one of the new characters on the scene. Um, and you can look her up and go, Wow, that's crazy. And then I look up and I see, um, wow, there's Ann Wilson. Ann Wilson of Heart is probably one of the single most important people in terms of just, she's just such a badass that she she sings flat-footed, kind of barely, you know, hunkering down on her microphone. And she can sing like I've never seen anybody sing. So it's a very strange and wonderful experience standing there and listening to her just go blast through the song like, it's on 11. Like she sings in a way that knocks you over kind of power. She has this ability to just annihilate a note. I've never really heard anybody sing with such power before like she does. And then I, uh, Cindy Lauper's on here. Look, I have a, a really interesting story and people don't really know that. And I'm not even talking to Cindy Lauper about anything specific other than, hey, what's it like to walk on the streets of New York? I mean, we, we just sort of talk about our experience at home. We're mothers kind of thing, right? So we connect on a deeper level than just... And then I sent something really inappropriate the other day to Amy Grant, because that's what I do. That's my job. (laughs) I'm wondering, tell me, are you first a country musician? Are you first a singer? Are you first a human being who makes observations and puts them into sound? Wow, that's really a loaded question. That's like asking me if I'm country or Western. Dang. I don't know. That's I, that's a real question. I don't know. I know this. I know that the very first memory I ever have of anything in this life is that I am a broken and blessed girl. I'm from Kentucky, and it's I've lived really, really in poor conditions, and yet, you know, I've sung at the Super Bowl. I mean, you tell me. I, I really think, I mean, the very first memory I have is opening up my mouth and creating a sound and I was like, whoa. So may, I don't know if, if, if the heart, my heartbeat has always been to something very deep. I've always been this way. People say, oh, my God, you are so overwhelming. And it's because I have so much, I, I feel so deeply. And I think so. I, I guess I would have to say that I'm a human being that feels the pain and the suffering of the world. Well, I remember animals. I used to save animals from the time I can remember, like, being able to walk. I remember saving everything I could save. And so I don't know. I think it's probably me being a little broken-hearted girl who really wanted to find a way to heal. So animals came first. That's why my farm is filled with all these different animals. I think because that's my nature. I was that way from the time. It has nothing to do with success. It just is who I am. So I think the answer is, if I had to answer, it would be the human being with a heart for uh, humanity. And 
you know, my four-legged and two-legged family. So that's it, I guess. This is going to be an easy question for you to answer, but I'm wondering, where did your accent go? You don't seem to have much of an accent. You probably asked this a million times, but I want to see what you say now. Did you used to have a heavier accent? Is it being hidden? Did you neutralize it? Well, this is going to sound really strange. People will literally look at me and go, you're doing it again. And this is the truth. I am a mimic. I was born in Kentucky, but I was raised in California. I've lived in Texas. And one of my favorite places, you know, to tour is like Chicago and Boston, you know, New Jersey. Those are my people kind of thing. So I can tell you right now, if I'm in a situation where I'm talking to Loretta, I will I will go Eastern Kentucky right away. If I'm talking to, uh, you know, a singer or someone you know, in the blues and jazz world, I will, I'm, I'm telling you, and I've said it, and I've looked at people hoping they know my heart. Um, I say, you know, that I am, I was raised in the black church. I, I just know that I am a mimic, and I tend to go mimic whatever you say. If you talk to me in an accent, I will adopt the accent. I don't know what else to tell you. It's very odd. And I catch myself and go, they're going to think you're making fun. And I don't know that I'm even doing it, if that makes sense. I'm just so porous and I'm so in the moment with somebody, I almost adopt their very being. And it's weird. I don't know. It's Maybe it's my relatability. I just feel like I'm that person too. So it's an interesting, <laughs> like when I go to Minnesota and I'm doing a show, I'll say, Oh, Minnesota, and I'll just start to talk like them, and they look at me like, "Are you are you being funny, or what are you doing?" <laughs> That's great. Because <laughs> I was raised, I was raised in these states. People don't understand maybe until they know my story that I literally would wake up in a different state every day, and I was in that state every day. So it's hard for me not to go straight Kentucky when I get there. I am. I was talking to a girl the other day. I called a fan whose brother had died, and she played one of my songs at the funeral, and I called her. And before I know it, Daniel, I'm I'm straight up Kentucky. I'm like, I'm talking like this. And uh, the other day I talked to Billy. Uh, I, I, I just, I know how I am because it's natural, and I just, you're right. I don't know what I am. I just know that I, I become, uh, when I said Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus, I was talking to him the other day, and I went straight, straight Kentucky. So you tell me. I could do whatever. Okay, I'm going to have to think on that one. Uh, but in the me- <laughs> in the meantime, can you offer us... Now, if you can't, that's okay. You can say you can't. But can you offer some optimism? I think for a lot of people right now, myself included, music is one of the few binding forces that I feel. When I listen <laughs> to a, a song by you, when I listen to a Mozart opera, when I listen to a Glenn Miller, you know, these are the things that ground me and, and give me the hope and the solace and the energy that I need to keep on keeping on. And uh, wow. offer if you could offer just some optimism, but it doesn't have to be, you know, exaggerated, just something because I always tell people that music is the one thing that, that can save you. Mm, yes, uh, I, will, I will go and share something with you that I got this morning from a, a very, very close person in my life, friend who is helping me with some things that are devastatingly beautiful. And this is one of the deepest things I've read in my studies since I can remember being a child and being baptized kind of thing, right? So this is what I know. I know that um, I know that I was born for a reason. I know that I was chosen and that I have a gift. 
And I believe that is a a thing we are born with. I don't think we have to earn it. I don't think we have to do anything. That love is there from the, I believe, from the conception. So I have a very deep understanding of that at times when I lose faith and I lose even hope sometimes. I know that I was born, you know, for a purpose. I know that I'm I'm really devastated a lot of the time and I feel it very deeply and I have to look to music. Yes, that is my soothing Uh, It's soothing to the spirit. I'm going to read you something that I read this morning, and it blew my mind. And I read it uh, about 30 minutes before I called you today, and so I'll share it. It says, your calling is going to crush you. If you're called to mend the brokenhearted, you're going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you're called to prophecy, you're going to struggle to control your mouth. If you're called to lay hands, you will battle spiritual viruses. If you are called to preach teach the gospel, you will be sifted for the wisdom that anoints your message. If you are called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your successes will be hard fought. Your calling will come with cuts and thorns and sifting that are necessary for your mantle to be authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment is not easy and your oil is not cheap. That is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Who, that's uh, that's pretty that? deep, folks. So here's what I know on the flip side of that. I am a farmer. I've been a homesteader since 1990, I think. I bought a farm, paid cash. It was very much cheap compared to today. And I was young, and I bought this farm because I wanted land. I've created, uh, some would say it's an oasis. I think of it as a, a place to dwell. It's like the shelter from the storm. Find something that gives you some sense of belonging. For me, it is going and cooking something uh, that reminds me of where I come from. You know, whether it's, I literally have a pinto beans and cornbread thing where I just, that's what I go to. Um, Sometimes it's a meal. Sometimes it's creating a meal that's as simple and pure as I can find the ingredients to make. Uh, We have a garden. My lettuce will be in soon. And so we have radishes and we just, we appreciate what comes from the land. And that sounds really sort of you know, corny, that's all I got some days. Some days I'm so brokenhearted, I just, I go out and I take a walk with my dogs and I find that I can feel, you know, it's really hot here right now and so I feel the heat. I just know that the pain, and this is really, really not, I'm not just saying this, I'm living it right now. Sometimes the pain is so great and last night I was I was up till like 4 a.m. because I was so troubled about something and I sat there and I said, you know, God, and I'm talking to God a lot. I don't know if I've become one of those people that talks out loud and they say, well, it's okay to talk out loud, but if you answer yourself, that means you're basically insane. I guess I've reached that point. I literally said, God, you know, really the only thing, I I, I do this thing, Daniel, and I'll, I'll try to make it quick, but when I'm really down and out, and I've traveled through airports for eight hours, and I'm so weary, I can't really think, sometimes the only thing I can say is, you know, God, I guess this pain means that I'm alive. Because I, I don't know that I can really get a deep enough breath right now. I just feel so sad. And yeah, it's lonely being authentic. It's very lonely when you feel as deeply as I do. And yet, I guess this pain means that I'm feeling something, and that means that I'm alive. And that's really all I got. And I know that's heavy. It's just true for me. It's pain. It means you're, you're able to feel something, and that means you're still here, and there's still hope. And that's all I got today. It's like, you know, tomorrow I may be feeling fierce, and fabulous. I don't know. (laughs) 
But today, folks, all I know is pick something that gives you a sense of belonging, that you're here and you're, you know, everything is not okay. Everything is not okay. But right now, in this moment, in this heartbeat, and taking this breath, I'm okay with everything. And I have to repeat it over and over and over and over. Wynonna Judd, your music and your sound gives many people comfort and in turn helps us through all the difficult times. And you're marvelous, and I thank you. Well, we all have something marvelous going on. We just have to look for the miracle. And I think one of them was calling you today because sometimes I get kind of stuck in my own brain and I think, oh my gosh, this is really, I'm swimming in the lake of me. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm grateful that I can reach out and I hope that some way someone gets um, a sense that they're loved out out of everything I could ever do is my hope is every night I sing, every time I do something, you know, that's reaching out I think I just hope that someone listening can feel a sense of love because sometimes that's that's it. You know, that's all we got. And that's enough. And um, I know that people are struggling. Pain is um, pain is really inevitable. And it's something that we don't want to do as a nation. We don't want to feel it. I don't I don't want to feel pain. I'd rather go to the party uh, and talk about, you know, great things and do great things. And sometimes this pain is really, really necessary. And I, I, I absolutely feel it right now. And yet I know that there's a reason for the season. And that sounds really corny. The seasons here in Nashville, Tennessee are four seasons. And I think that God literally makes the spring to get us through winter. That is what I believe because I'm a farmer. And I know it because I see it. And they're, go outside and look at things around you and go, I am part of something bigger than myself. Does that make sense? That makes sense, and that is terrific to keep in mind, especially when we're down. When I'm down, I literally will put on my shoes. That's all I got. My hair, I don't even brush it. I go outside, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm in the light, and that's really corny, and I know it because my grandmother taught it to me. She would take walks. She struggled with depression, and she would take walks, and I would go with her, and I was little, and I remember feeling all the feelings and smelling all the smells and sensing all the stuff out there. Oh, my gosh, there's this and looking over here and it would take me out of my whatever I'm going through and so I'm very much about going outside and look if all I got is looking up at the sky and cursing then I will do that and I will then cry and then for some reason I feel better it's crazy how you if you just trust the process whatever that process is if you have to get up and do something every day stretching walking calling someone writing for me it's singing and writing If I do that, I plug into something greater than my pain. And that is the purpose, I believe, with all of my heart. We're going to remember these words. We're going to replay them. And I think your words, as well as your music, your words today, are going to help a lot of people. I really think that. Well, that is an amazing, amazing uh, relationship. And that is why after 40 years, (laughs) 40 years I have been doing this. And I thank God that I'm still here. We're grateful for it. Wynonna Judd, thank you so much. Well, you're a blessing too, my dear. You've been listening to Talking Beats. The music discussed today is available in a playlist on my Spotify or anywhere you get your music. The original music is composed by Ronald Markham. The producer is Doug Christian. I'm Daniel Melchuk. See you next time.